Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, Barchester. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the Mark Podcast Media, Audio and Radio Network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? A little sunshine showtime as the state of Florida. When it comes to its college football coaches, wow. If Deion Sanders ends up taking the USF job, which it looks like it's not going to happen, looks like he's probably headed to Colorado, but if he takes that USF job, is it the greatest collection of coaches ever in a state? And what does it mean going forward when it comes to recruiting the state of Florida? And what's interesting about all this is the coaches in the non-Power 5 have had more success than the coaches in the Power 5 in their career. How crazy is that? So we're going to look at that. Also, um, boy, the Jalen Kitna Gator suspension, arraignment, child fee charges. Look, Florida handled this correctly. People think that he should be kicked off the team. Yeah, not not yet. Not yet. Florida's handling this correctly. I'm going to tell you. Uh, Also, college football playoff is expanding to 12. Good. I'm okay with problems. We'll tell you what those problems are throw in a couple predictions uh, for championship weekend as well. Again, Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram. Harp on Sports, the auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast. You can hit us up via the YouTube page, Harp on Sports, the bar, the Facebook page, Harp on Sports, of course, harponsports.com. Okay. Boy, the state of Florida, when it comes to coaches, the snake in this state now, from top to bottom. Think about what this state has now. Mike Norvell at Florida State just finished a nine and three season. Billy Napier in Gainesville. What is it? What does a six and six season do? You don't know, right? Verdict's still out, big question mark, but he has had past success. Louisiana, what he's done. Okay, year one, he is building this long term. All right. Continue down this path, and it gets really, really interesting really quickly, doesn't it? Think about this. Where do we head to next? UCF. What do we have at UCF? You got Gus Melzahn. Oh, well, okay. USF. Don't know who it's going to be yet. If it ends up being Deion Sanders, whoa. Now, it looks like he's probably headed to Colorado, but we've heard some big names down at South Florida in what FAU just did in <laughs> hiring Tom Herman, who, what, four years ago? Has it been four years ago now? One, a Sugar Bowl? So you have Tommy Herman, who is now the coach at FAU that won a Sugar Bowl at Texas, beat Georgia, mind you, um, beat Kirby Smart in Georgia, right? You continue the snake, and you go Mario Cristobal at Miami, and you say to yourself, "What? think about this state now. Norvell, Florida State, Napier, Florida, Malzahn, UCF, Tommy Herman, FAU, Cristobal, Miami and USF, if they get Dion. And what's amazing about that, Herman and Malzahn have had more success than your power threes, your three big boy programs. Gus Malzahn, we've seen him coach in the national championship game. Lost, but coached in it. Tommy Herman, we've seen him win the Sugar Bowl. We haven't seen the other coaches do that. And then Dion at South Florida. I, I think it's going to be interesting if this does happen. The juxtaposition of those threes. Here's Dion, Herman, Gus Malzahn, all 
with the exception of Dion, you know, winning big, but the three coaches at the non-power five have had more success coaching and are better recruiters than the three coaches at the power five level. It's just an interesting dynamic in the state. I don't know how long it plays out for or what it means. If it means more money comes in, if this is nothing, Tommy Herman using this like Lane Kiffin loses the job at USC, goes to Alabama, becomes a coordinator, ends up where? FAU builds it back up, bam, ends up at Ole Miss. Could this be the path for Tom Herman? Probably. Probably. But boy, what a state all of a sudden, right? And what does it mean inside of the state? If Deion Sanders knocks on your door and any of the power three knock on your door, first of all, the power three, you know, when it comes to Miami, these kids look around, they don't remember. They don't remember the success from 20 years ago. You think they're going to remember the success from 30, 35 years ago? Michael Irvin, he's nothing more than an older analyst to them. Kids today look at Michael Irvin like I looked at Tom Jackson, news at ESPN. Actually, they probably look at him as even being older than I looked at Tom Jackson. So you've got to go through and you've got to look at this and look at it from an 18 to 20, actually a 16 to 18 year old's perspective. And what's a 16 to 18 year old's perspective? They were born in 2006, gang. That's who you're going after. People that were born in 2006, the year before the iPhone came out. The kids that you're recruiting do not remember life without an iPhone. Yeah. You can say, well, it's the Seth Prime. Yeah, yeah, I know he's a little bit old for them too. I know. But I'm just interested to see how this plays out. But sunshine, showtime, there's no state that's even close. Even out in California, you know, I like what San Diego State's doing, but yeah, Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly in L.A., great. But other than that, what, Cal, Stanford? and You know, there's more big programs. Those are four big ones, right? Cal, Stanford, UCLA, USC, there's a propensity and if San Diego State joins the Pac-12, there's a propensity, Fresno State, there's, there's there's an idea that, okay, we got some more big schools here, but the state of Florida is the best coaches in the country and the more interesting coaches not in the Power 5 side of things. So interesting thoughts on that. Uh, speaking of interesting thoughts, uh, Jalen Kitna, yikes. Yikes. And, oh boy. Florida handled this right. Check something on my phone Want to make sure. Florida handled this right. Now, they haven't kicked him off the team. They've suspended him indefinitely. Well, you ought to kick him off the team. Okay. Everybody is trying to avoid a Duke lacrosse situation. Now, look, there's not an accusatory individual in this one. It's a bigger case, but I'm telling you why. And this is more protecting one's self in terms of clawback lawsuits and things of that nature. Look, it looks and it appears like he's guilty of this. Do I think Jalen Kitna will play another snap at Florida? No, I don't. But I understand what Florida's doing. We suspended you indefinitely, and then you do your due diligence and you do your due research, and you're like, okay, this happened. He's pled guilty. He's done. We wanted for things to play out. We wanted to see what was going to happen. We waited for the judicial process. to. We suspended him indefinitely until this was done. It's done. He's done. Because the risk that you run, you start suspending people when they're accused of a crime, suspended indefinitely, suspended indefinitely. Oh, that's fine. They're accused. This is a heinous act. I get it. But you start suspending guys and you start kicking, we're kicking them off. And it just takes one accusation that's not true. And you kick a guy off the team. All of a sudden is a recruiting tool. 
How is it going to be used against you? Man, you go there, that you, you, you even get accused of something, they kick you off the team. Now, I would like to sit here and say we live in a perfect world where those, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah, it, I'd like to say we live in a world where people don't use this type of stuff against you in recruiting, but I'm not naive. I know better than that. Of course, they're going to use this. Now, the Kitna thing, a little bit tougher. What are you going to, if you go there, you may get arrested for, there, there's no real way to use this against you. Because if you're a student athlete, and Billy Napier, anybody's talking to you, it's like, look, we suspended him indefinitely. He's away from the program until this investigation plays out. When it plays out, if he's found guilty, he's gone. If he pleads guilty, he's gone. If it's a misunderstanding, fine. But we got to wait till the evidence comes. We're going to go for this. But he's not around the program right now. Everybody has this thirst for vengeance. And again, he's suspended. He's gone. He went to jail. He's now leaving the state with his family. He's nowhere around the program. He's suspended indefinitely. People are like, I want him kicked off the team. Great. And your thirst for vengeance may be quenched, but they're actually doing this the correct way. They are. And I went through and looked at this and it's just such an, it's such an interesting discussion to have with young people that crime on the internet isn't anonymous. People think that you can go on Twitter and lob grenades from the verbal grenades from the upper deck, which means you can just do whatever you want on the internet and hide behind a cloak of anonymity. You can, as long as you're not committing a federal crime or a felony, you're committing felonies on the internet. They are going to monitor those areas that you're committing those. I don't know why people think the internet, like I can hide in here. Nobody knows who I am. They've got your IP address. And most people are committing these crimes. Some people, espionage and, you know, Russian hackers. Think about like, oh, Russian hackers. Well, they're in a different country. Who's going to prosecute you? Just like if we have American hackers hacking into databases in Russia and China, we're not going to let them extradite those people. Same thing rolls that way. But that's international crime when it comes to in, inside the borders. Come on. <laughs> if you're going to commit a crime and you're going to do it online, they're going to catch you. Not all the time, but they, they, especially when it comes to heinous and, th and vicious things, they're going to catch you going on Twitter and talking trash to somebody. But, you know, people threaten to kill people online and threaten to and they track you down. I don't know why you think you're going to get away with it. You can say certain things. Kanye West can say anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic things. OK, then you start threatening to kill people or commit felonies. They're going to catch you. Internet's not anonymous. It's not. You think it is, but it's not. They can track you. It's just a question. Is this worth our time or not? Child endangerment is. Or at least these felony counts are. So I don't think Jalen Clinton is ever going to play again. I think Florida's handling this correctly. A um, couple other things. Playoff expansion. There's no way to transition from that to this. Playoff expansion. College football going to 12 teams from four. I've said this time and time again, I'm okay with it. I'm interested to see what the players cuts going to be because I don't know how having players play more games benefits them, especially those that are going to enter the draft, but this will protect 12 teams players worth of opting out. You're still going to get opting out after you get to 12, 13 on backwards. You're going to get opting out, but that's fine. Like Will Levis at Kentucky is going to opt out no matter what. Okay. He's entering the draft. He's going to opt out. Why would you play? Well, to improve his draft stock. Oh, come on. I think that's going to help. One game. Come on. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't going to draft Kenny Pickett last year until they watched the bowl game. Come on. Matt Corral gets hurt in his. What did that do to his stock? He dropped a couple rounds, didn't he? Dropped some slots. 
So just you go there and you impress and you interview. Well, they've got 12 games, 13 games. In some cases, that's just this year. They've got 25 games. If you started for two years under their belt, at least they know what they're doing. They, 25 games like, oh, boy, I only had that half against Oregon State in the Sunshine Bowl or the CarQuest Bowl. I'd be in good shape. Only if I had an extra three quarter, if I had seven more offensive drives I could look at. No, this stuff's bought, signed, sealed, paid for over and over. So. The way I look at it, that's a positive. Again, the television contracts are going to double with this to the players see a cut of it. Does every player that plays in one of these games get a hundred thousand dollars? If you if you make the college football playoff, every player gets a hundred grand. Is that going to happen? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when the TV revenue. Well, they get a stage to showcase their skills. They only got thirteen games to do that. What the extra fourteenth one's going to put them over the top? Stop it. They get a chance to showcase their skills. Well, I guess everybody that doesn't play in the playoffs is not going to get drafted then. Come on. Be realistic about this. Now, I do think this is true. I don't think it's true. I know it's true. Teams that lose their conference championship games are going to be punished. If you're going to use this year's rankings, and I'm going to do that for the purpose of this, and using this year's rankings, well, Tulane will be 12th. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for the 12th seed every year because the 12th seed every year is going to be nine times out of 10, the non-power five. Now, it wouldn't have been Cincinnati. Cincinnati worked their way up there last year, didn't they? So Cincinnati would have still been in the top five. Would they have been in the top four knowing you have 12 teams you're not forced to put them in there? I don't know. But UCF over the years? Okay. They may have been six or seven. Boise State some of those years may have been five. Okay. Okay. More often than not, they're going to end up down here at 12. Okay. So what does that mean? Well, it means this. They're going to love it because they've got a seat at the table. The teams that are going to benefit from this are the ones that finish second in their divisions and their conferences. The Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Tennessees. The teams that are going to be punished are the teams that win their division that are ranked below six. Those are the teams that are going to be punished. Teams that win their division that are ranked below six, teams that are ranked above six, they could lose and still make it. But I give you three teams that under this playoff format, the 12-team playoff, are going to be punished. Those are going to be Clemson, Kansas State, and Utah. Because Clemson, Kansas State, and Utah, with a loss, are going to be out. If North Carolina beats Clemson, they're going to be out. Kansas State loses to TCU, they're going to be out. Utah gets beat by USC, they're going to be out. So teams that win their division and lose their conference championship game are going to be punished. And you may sit there and say, well, win. Just win and then you can prove it. Or I could be Alabama and I could be Tennessee and I could be Ohio State and not even win my division and be rewarded. Certain division winners that lose their conference championship game, punished. Teams that don't even win their division, rewarded. Washington, rewarded. So here's the schools under that system, the 12-team playoff. Schools that have the possibility of being punished. Clemson, Kansas State, Utah by losing. Teams that don't even play are going to be rewarded like Washington, Tennessee, and Alabama. So the best thing to do every year is not make the playoff if you have two losses. I'll say it again. Make make the conference championship, excuse me. The best thing that can happen to your program if you want a guaranteed slot in the college football playoff is not go to your conference championship game and finish 10-2. and Go and find me how many 10 and 2 teams that don't make their conference championship are never going to make this thing. I'd love for somebody, and maybe I'll do this coming up here. Go over the past 10 years using the top 12 slot and look at how many teams went 10 and 2, didn't win their conference, 
Didn't go 10 and 2, didn't even win their division. Would would have made it. They're going to punish teams that don't even win. They're going to reward teams that don't win their division. Tennessee, Bama, Washington, sitting back, relaxing, checking things out. And I'm just going with the, if the chalk stuff happens, right? If USC beats Utah, if Baylor beats Kansas State, Baylor, excuse me, TCU, if TCU beats Kansas State and USC beats Utah, I'm just giving you chalk scenarios. I did give you a kind of a curveball with Clemson and North Carolina. Okay, then we'll give you one upset. North Carolina beats Clemson. All of a sudden, I'm in the conference championship game. I win my division. I get beat. Uh, here's another team that didn't even win their division, and they're going to get rewarded? That, that's the inherent flaw. There's inherent flaws in everything. The winner of the NFC South this year may be the Bucks at 8-9. and nine. There'll be some team in the AFC that goes 10-7 and seven that doesn't make the playoffs. In baseball, we see it. Certain teams win their division with a worse record than the wildcard team. It happens. There's inherent flaws in all of these things. I get it. But every, all the 12-team playoff, it's going to be great. There's flaws in it. This is the big one. You're going to punish teams that lose in their conference championship game. Speaking of that, we have a little fun. Oh, by the way, I went through and looked at this playoff. How is this going to work? If you have 12 teams, eight teams will play each other, right? So there'll be four games. Let's do this as an example on the 21st of December. Then you'll have four more games on the 28th of December. I'm just playing devil's advocate with this. Um, then you'll have the final four on the 3rd of January, and then you'll have the championship game on the 10th of January. You say, what? No, no, no. Okay, fine. If you want four bowl games in your big bowl games to take place on January or December 31st or January 1st, then your championship game is June 15th or January 15th. If you have your quarterfinals on the 1st or the 31st, then you're to the second week of January. Again, I'm okay with that. But just to let you know, there are risks. Now, there are zits with this one. It's not perfect. It's like, you're going to exercise, you're going to get in shape, you are going to sweat, you are going to be hungry. All right. Conference championship predictions. Went through this. USC takes down Utah. They win the Pac-12. I like USC. Um, they covered the 2.5, 35-27. Fight on. The men of Troy move on. Um, I like Kansas State upsetting Baylor. I do. I like the way Kansas State's played down the stretch and the regular season game was good. I keep saying Baylor. Good gracious. TCU and Max Dugan have, I think with, if he balled out last week, right? He, he was amazing. But he had like six touchdowns, five touchdowns or whatever it was. I think with a big game, Max Dugan earns his trip to New York City. I do. But I just think when it's all said and done, I think I like Kansas State's ability to score and play defense. I do. Kansas State's a nine and three football team, and they're what seven and one their last eight games. <laughs> Wildcats, 28, 24. I take the cats and the points, but I don't think I'm gonna need them. Kansas State wins the Big 12. Um, Big Ten. Michigan's going to beat Purdue, but I don't think this is going to be one where they throttle them. Blake Corum's out. All the energy that went into the Ohio State game, now they got to get up again. And I like Brom as a coach to, to throw a couple wrinkles and score some points. Michigan, it's not going to be It's not going to be one of these games that's going to, oh my gosh, what? what? Michigan's going to win. I say Michigan 35, Purdue 21. I take Purdue in the 16 and a half. LSU and Georgia. Um, look, this is another one of those situations where I, I think LSU's going to be competitive, but 
you know, Georgia fell asleep at the wheel in the first quarter against Georgia Tech. I don't think they fall asleep at the wheel at this one. I think it is somewhat competitive, but it's one of those games where it's like 21-7, 28-10, 28-13, 30. That's what type of game it's going to be. I like uh, Georgia to win 34-24. to I would take LSU in the 17 and a half. And then the ACC championship game, which we're going to kind of look around at each other and go, this exists, like, I, I guess. Um, I'm going to take Clemson, 27-17. I'll give North Carolina the seven and a half. So Clemson covers, take LSU, take Purdue in the points. Kansas State gets the points. They don't need them. They win outright, 28-24. And USC beats Utah. So your college football playoff is what? College football playoff. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Number three, USC. Number four, Ohio State. Ohio State plays Georgia, and Michigan plays USC. All right, there you go. Harpon Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harpon Sports, Twitter at Harpon Sports, Instagram, Harpon Sports, Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harpon Sports, Facebook page, Harpon Sports, the YouTube channel under the bar, and of course, HarpOnSports.com. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Team USA. Frankenstein. Have fun with your friends.